Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. Good morning, Global Church and all our visitors from around the world. Hello, Canada, North America, Tanzania and Kenya and Sweden and anywhere else where you're listening from, South Africa, the UK, obviously. Good morning to you. And I've got a great message for us today because uh, the whole world is in, in, in crisis in many ways because of the pandemic. You know, a crisis, it reveals you to you. It, it, you, know, you know, when something hits your life that you weren't planning and you, you didn't figure out, uh, you, haven't got, uh, you haven't figured out how to handle or how to overcome, you look inside and it, and it reveals you to you and how you react and how you respond. It can shock you sometimes because you think, I thought I were better than that, or I thought I was bigger than that, or I thought I was further on than that. And I'm not just talking about a relapse one time or another. I'm not talking about that because that doesn't mean you've gone, gone right back. That just means you've relapsed. Sometimes we forget where we're at. We forget what we know and, and, and we make the mistake. That's just a one-off. But I'm talking about where you, you actually are in there and you're saying, I haven't got what it takes to overcome. And I want to speak into that today because I want to look today about the characteristics of a giant killer. How tough is this? The characteristics of a giant killer. Because if you're going to achieve in life, you're going to have to overcome some giants. And there'll be giant problems. If you're going to have some giant possibilities, you'll have giant problems coming your way. You know, with my God, the psalmist said, Psalm 18, he said, with my God. I can scale a wall with my God. I can advance against the troop with my God. You know, he knew, David, uh, King David, he knew that he, 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 God was with him. When God was with him, he could do supernatural things. God would put the super on his natural. But you know, it's true that what you believe about you is more important than what, what even God thinks of you or anybody else thinks of you. I can tell you today that God believes in you. But if you don't believe that, and if you don't learn to believe in you, then you're going to struggle because you can never be greater than what you believe about yourself. And so what people tend to do is they tend to beef themselves up and go, I can do this and I can do that. Look at my CV. That's not what I'm talking about. Our self-confidence grows when our God confidence grows. Our confidence in God grows. And God, God gives us victory over giants and giant situations that were beyond us. And when we look back, we think, how on earth did I do that? And you quickly realise you did it, but it was God walking in your shoes with you. Without God, you couldn't have done it. And so your confidence grows. Your confidence as a person grows. Your confidence in God grows. And so if God says, well, he does say in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and to give you hope and a future. You know, I'm not going to harm you. I'm here for your good. And you'll seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you. And you know, when we seek God with all our heart, when we come to him and say, God, help me. God, what do you think about this situation? How can I overcome in this situation? And you get the wisdom from heaven, just a thought flicks into your mind and you think it's you for a moment. (laughs) 
that, you know, as you're working out, Jesus said, wisdom is proved right by her actions. And when God is with you, your actions, people initially, they don't always agree, but after a while, they look and they just say, God is with you. They said, there's something different about you. What are people saying about you today? I hope they're noticing the God difference. And I don't mean that in a superficial or a light way. I just mean that when, when you're there, they just see that you're different from what you were before in a good way. Not in a freaky way, not in a flaky way, but in a relevant way. So what you think about yourself means more than anything else in tough situations. Going through COVID, you know, what you believe through these tough situations means, means more than anything else. What you believe, how you're handling yourself. You might not have even got COVID or anything like that, but how you're handling, you know, the restrictions. Um, you know, that's what I'm talking about. What you believe in at this time is going to mean more to you than anything else. More than what you earn, more than where you live, more than your social position, more than what anyone else may think about you. Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. Matthew chapter 9, verse 29. According to your faith. Come on, faith isn't just something we believe. Faith is there. It's a, it, um, John, in his gospel, he doesn't like the word faith. Faith is a noun. A noun is a person, place, or a thing. But John uses the word believe or believing. And that's a verb. That's an action word. Are you believing in Jesus today? Are you, are you behaving in a way that, that responds in faith? Uh, you, you, that you, 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 you're walking in faith, that you're believing for God to turn up. Even if you've got lockdown and restrictions, you're believing that you can contact people either through the phone or Facebook or, or, or some, some media platform. That, that you, you, you know, you're saying, I refuse to be restricted. I'm, I'm, I'm going to use these other outlets to connect and to communicate and to allow people to connect and communicate to me. And, uh, and even if you can't get out, you know, maybe somebody in your uh, sphere has, has, has got COVID and you, you're in lockdown or whatever for 10 days, 14 days, five days, six days. I've heard a lot of them. I don't know how long it takes. But anyway, you're in lockdown. You know, you can even get your shopping online now. So, you know, defy it all by, by using the, 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 the tools that we're allowed to use. We're not going against government. We're not trying to be clever and smart. We're, but we're, what we are doing is we're, we're, uh, we're getting on with life as best as we can during this lockdown. And don't grow weary in this. Don't grow weary. Keep overcoming. Let the Holy Spirit refresh you every day. If every day you have a shower and you feel refreshed after a shower, every day be showered on the inside with the Holy Spirit and let him give you a fresh attitude towards social media. <laughs> Not to self. Let him give you a fresh attitude towards how you're handling lockdown. Instead of saying, no, I can do without this. No, overcome the giant. Come on, God is with you. Overcome the giant. Whatever obstacles in your way, overcome it. So let me begin. Most people, whether you're church or not, will know the phrase, this is a David and Goliath situation. And the story is taken from the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 17. And it's, it's a young David, a shepherd boy, playing the harp in the fields. And he plays the, the flute and, and everything. He's a musician. He's an artisan. And his brothers think he's away with the fairies. 
And um, what they don't see is that when David's looking after these few sheep, flea-ridden sheep, nobody else is bothered. They give it to David. He's like the runt of the family. He's the youngest. And people, even his brothers don't like him. And, uh, you know, scholars reckon he was rejected, you know, by his mum. Anyway, he's, he's, out, he's out in the field and he's looking after these sheep day and night, protecting them from bears and lions. But when a bear comes, David attacks the bear. And when the lion comes, David attacks the lion and he uses his staff and he uses his sling and God gives him the victory in the backwaters where nobody's watching. Maybe I'm speaking to somebody today and you've, you've always worked in the backwaters, whether it's for church, whether it's in your own business and everybody else seems to be getting the recognition and you don't. <laughs> and it's like, why bother? I'll tell you why I bother, because God's watching and God looks to see who we can promote. But faith that's not tested can't be trusted. And so David is being tested in the backwaters. Is he going to be a good shepherd? What do shepherds do? They'll look after sheep. Where did David end up? He ended up being the king of Israel. And God said, I took you from the pasture, from looking after the sheep. And I raised you up to be the shepherd of my people, Israel. I mean, that is like becoming the prime minister. Well, it's the king, king of Israel. That is like, that's a job not given just to anybody. But God had to test him and prove him first. And maybe that's what you're going through at this moment in time. Don't lose heart. When discouragement comes, it's just a giant trying to take you out. And it'll keep speaking to you. Ignore the giant. Overcome the giant. We're going to look at how, how that pans out. So David, he's uh, looking after his sheep. And uh, Israel had gone to battle with the, the, the enemies, their arch enemies, the Philistines. And uh, David's dad comes to him one day and he says, your brothers have gone to the front lines. Take some cheese and some bread. And take them some, some supplies and bring news from the front line to say that they're safe like any good dad would. And he says that David left the sheep with another shepherd. He didn't just leave his responsibilities. He took full responsibility and he, and he, he made sure them sheep were looked after. What a great leader. As a young boy, he knew he, he, instinctively, he had that with him. You know, some leaders are born, some leaders are not born. <laughs> People say, you know, our leaders born or are they made? And I would say some people are born with an aptitude, a greater aptitude for leadership than others. But every leadership uh, skill or tool can be learned. Every leadership tool. So you may say, well, I'm not really a leader. Well, you can be. In fact, you should be. In fact, you were created to be. If Jesus is the king of kings, who are the kings? <laughs> so we were meant to be kings. Adam was a king. Eve was his queen, and they were meant to rule. Anyway, sometimes when we read the Bible, we miss the obvious. But um, we're meant to be leaders, every one of us. And, you know, we lead our family. Maybe today you're a one-parent family, and you've got to be mum and dad. And it's like, God wants to give you leadership skills and where to learn them. What better place than, than Global Church? We teach a lot about leadership in Global because we understand that you know, everything in life rises or falls on leadership. And so anyway, I digress. David runs to the battle and he sees Goliath, this big giant coming over nine foot tall. He comes out to, to, to have a go at Israel and defy the armies of Israel. And something goes off in David's heart. Like, how dare he speak about God's army God, and, and the God of Israel? Like, like it's nothing. 
and he saw disrespect and it irritated him. So he's thinking King Saul and all the army will go on and, and take care of business. But they didn't. They all ran away in fear. And so David says, what, what, will, what will be done for the man who, who kills this giant? And they said, oh, well, the king has promised a lot of wealth, even half of his kingdom, up to half of his kingdom. And uh, his daughter, you know, he'll give his daughter in marriage. So David's thinking, well, that's, that's not, you know, we, we don't, me and my dad don't have to pay a tax for the rest of our lives. And I get a, a wife thrown into boots. Anyway, happy days. So as he's moving through, he meets his oldest brother, Eliab. And Eliab is furious. He said, you've come out here just because you, he said, you're so proud and egotistical. And he had a go at David. And, uh, and he says, you know, David says, who's going to take this giant down? It's not going to be you. You're just an arrogant so-and-so. Anyway, that's, that's his first put down. His second put down comes from King Saul. Because King Saul hears uh, uh, David talking to the men about going and defeating Goliath. So he has him brought in. And, and, and David said to the king, he said, you know, don't, don't lose heart on account of this giant. He says, I'll go and defeat him. And he says, because um, I can. <laughs> and the king says, no, no, no. This man has been a fighting man since his youth. He says, you're but a boy. And David says, yeah, but when I was in the desert, uh, so when I was in the backwaters with my sheep, he said, when the lion came, he said, God gave me victory over the lion. And he says, when the bear came, God delivered me out of the paw of the, uh, of the bear. He said, and God today will give me victory with this uncircumcised Philistine. And Saul says, well, you need to put my armour on. It's funny what people do when you, you, you come out with an idea that's big. They, want, they, they throw everything at you and it's like, no, that's what you use. I'm used to doing it my way. I'm used to doing it the way that I'm doing. Let's not be intimidated when you're here. Sometimes you're starting a business and you hear everybody else that are in the fast lane going, and they're coming past you and you're just getting going and struggling. And you think, what am I doing? They go, oh, you'll need this. Oh, you'll need that. And you think, no, 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 you need that. But, you know, really and truly, I can only do it the way that I've learned how to do it. And so David, he tried Saul's armour on. He couldn't, he couldn't work with it, took it off. And he got five smooth pebbles and he ran to the battle. And there Goliath saw him and Goliath was furious. So, so he's had two put downs, his brother and the king. Both of them said, you can't do it. You'll never be able to do it. And then David went to the battle. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give your carcass, your carcasses, Sorry, today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that this is not by a sword or a spear that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. Such confidence from a young, a young man. I love young men because they don't know what they don't know but David knew who he knew. And he wasn't based in a, a university education or, or anything like that. It was, it was his everyday faith in God. His everyday believing in God. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David 
ran quickly. No fear in that, is there? David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, a rag and a rock. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran, ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from his scabbard. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. And when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines, etc., etc. David gave them victory over their enemies. Every giant, let me just pull some principles out of here. Number one, every giant introduces me to myself. A crisis doesn't make us, it only reveals what we already are. Negative situations or challenges only uncover what is inside of leaders. And I want to inspire you today and say, look, look on the inside, look at how you've handled yourself during this uh, crisis, this pandemic. Look how you, I'll bet it hasn't all been bad in your responses, I mean. I'll bet you have responded really well at times. Come on, be encouraged and look at uh, 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 how you've changed. And, and, and even where you feel, where you, 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 have you ever tried to do something right and it ends up wrong? <laughs> I want to encourage you. You know, keep going because your heart was right and, and, and your thinking was right. Keep going. You'll become more and more successful. You will. And success is a word in the Bible. It's not an American word. It's a word that's in the Bible. We need to, we need to get these words back. They've gone out of, out of use because people say, oh, you're talking success all the time. Well, of course. You know, when you have children, what, what do you say to them? Don't do your own work. Don't be successful. I hope you fail in your marriage. I, I, I hope you never go to university. I hope you don't get a good job, just a, just a, a bad job. Of course we want success. So come on, let's wobble our heads and start to think properly. Let's get our thinking right. Success is a good thing and uh, we need more of it. Winning is a good thing. Not winning at the expense of somebody else, but winning is a good thing. Prosperity is a good thing. You want your sons and your daughters to be prosperous. And when, when, when your son or your daughter gets married and you know they, 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 they get a deposit for their first house, you're like, yes. And then they buy the first car and you're like, yes. And they have children, you go, yes. And you want them to prosper. Well, come on, that's a Bible word for us. And um, in order to prosper, in order to be successful, in order to multiply, in order to increase, in, in order to develop, we're going to meet giants. And I want to help us to overcome the giants that come our way. But every giant introduces me to myself. And for some of you, you've found that yourself lacking during the last 12 months or so. And you're like, I've got to change. And you have. But you know, God has given us his Holy Spirit to, to, to live on the inside of us. It's like having Jesus living on the inside of you. Jesus said, the works I do, you will do also. And greater works will you do because I go back to the Father. And when he goes back to the Father, he sent the Holy Spirit. Jesus could only be in one place at one time. But the Holy Spirit is what we call omnipresent. 
He can be present all over at the same time, all over the world. He can be filling people with the power of Jesus in America and in Africa while he's filling you and me in York, in England. Fantastic. And so, you know, if I had to say to you, play football, you know, kick a ball like David Beckham, or, or write, write music like Mozart, or write plays like Shakespeare, you say, I can't. They're one-offs. I can't copy them. It's impossible. David Beckham's a bit old now, you know, like Messi or, or Ronaldo or something like that. Maybe they're a bit dated as well. But I'm just saying, you look at them, you say they are one-offs. Live like Jesus Christ and do the miracles that Jesus did. You go, it's impossible. But you know something? Jesus said, the same spirit I have to do the things that I do, I'm going to give you. And it's a bit like if Messi or Ronaldo had to say, I'm going to put my spirit that enables me to kick a ball like I do and play football. I'm going to put it on you. You too will be able to play like Messi or Ronaldo. Or if Mozart did the same thing, or Shakey, uh, you know, Shakespeare, if he came and, and gave you his spirit, you'd be able to write like he wrote. Can you see what I'm saying? And the Holy Spirit wants to come and live in us and, and make us as powerful as Jesus. That's incredible, isn't it? So that we do the works that he did and greater works and that we could speak wisdom like he spoke to build people up. And, and to change situations. Gosh, I need to take notes on myself. This is awesome. But every giant introduces me to me. And number two, people who reach giant positions have defeated giants. You don't get to giant positions without defeating giants. No team or person has ever achieved greatness without facing a giant obstacle. In a 1962 study entitled Cradles of Eminence, Researchers found one common thread running through all the outstanding lives they studied. Almost all of them had to overcome very difficult obstacles in order to become who they were. What's your obstacle? What is your obstacle? What have you battled all your life? Maybe it's something like weight. It's not, it's not something else coming at you. It's, it's, a, it's just like a, a, a problem you have always had. And you know something? You're called to overcome that problem. It, 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 it could be something like that. Maybe it's just a dysfunctional life and you've had to climb out of that dysfunctional life. And it was a giant to you. You know, for me, uh, doing a master's degree, I called it my, my David and Goliath. It wasn't so much a moment. It was more like two years. But, um, you know, having to write essays, 3,000 word essays, I'm like, I'll never be able to do that without waffling, you know, you meant you have to stick to the script. And I'm thinking, I can write lots of words that are waffle, but 3,000 that mean something. And then for my dissertation, 20,000 words, I'm like, I'll never be able to do this. And, um, you know, I did. I mean, I'm just saying, whatever, I don't know what the obstacle is for you, but you know something, with Christ, with, with my God, I can scale a wall. With my God, I can advance against the truth. Paul put it like this in the New Testament. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians chapter four. So every giant introduces me to myself. Um, number two, people who reach giant positions have defeated giants. And, and number three, giants are often tools God uses to shape us for bigger opportunities. Giants are often tools God uses to shape us for bigger opportunities.
Once young David knocked down Goliath, most people could see he was being prepared for national leadership. Why don't you, during this lockdown, during this next week, list some of the giants that you've had to fight? What are the giants? I've mentioned, you know, me doing an MA, but honestly, when I first went to Bible college uh, at 21, I'd never really been out to Darwin much. I'd flown to Spain once. I'd been to Manchester twice. And uh, I was from the backwaters. And then going to Bible college where people, you know, they used to read the broadsheets. I thought, what's a broadsheet? And then they said, it's not the son of the daily. <laughs> and so um, it's actually where there's some writing, proper writing and, and proper stories. Anyway, that were at Bible college. I had to overcome a drink problem as a teenager. Um, moving to York. It's a big thing for, for me and Shelley. I thought York was so fast. An outer ring road and an inner ring road. I used to get confused. <laughs> when I was driving, I had a driving job. I was a labourer for a, a while. And uh, I used to get lost. When I go back to the, to the building site, they'd say, have you been to Leeds? For you living outside of England, Leeds is about an half an hour's drive from York. It's a bigger city than York. But I'm just saying, um, having children was a, a, a Goliath to me. I'm thinking, will I be fit enough to bring them up? Starting a business, a property business. Like, can I do it? You know, like sitting with solicitors and, and uh, mortgage brokers and, and uh, having valuations and all this. Like, scared the living daylights out of me. And then to have tenants in and then to have to evict tenants and, and you know, tenants that don't pay and, and having to do the maths. And oh my goodness me, what a giant. It's been overcome. And that's great. I really want to get on to 10 characteristics. 10 characteristics of a giant killer. But I want to say this beforehand. Every one of us needs a giant. You see, without Goliath, David would have remained in obscurity. Vander Holyfield. You know, he had to fight Mike Tyson. <laughs> Gosh, I think I took the going with Goliath and Mike Tyson. And, he, had, and he, he wasn't that well known. Well, he was well known, to be fair. But honestly, nobody had given him such a big purse, what they call a purse, than Mike Tyson. And Mike Tyson bit his ear off and, you know, the purse went even bigger. And, you know, it, it, it's just incredible. We all need a Goliath. And Goliath throws you onto the main stage of life, whatever your main, main stage is. And with David, it was it was a big thing in front of every you know in front of the the army, and he became the king. And with Van der Olafield, it was in the boxing world, so it was on it was all over the world. But you know something, when he fought Tyson, his pay packet went sky high, went through the roof. And like I was just saying earlier, people who have reached giant positions have defeated giants. They've had to get into the ring and do something about it. And so, ten characteristics of a giant killer. I'm only going to go through a couple. I'm not going to get through them all today. I'll continue it next week. But I love the first one. I do. And I hope you're going to love it as much as I do. Number one, giant killers don't begin life as giant killers. When war broke out between the Philistines and the Israelites, David was young. He was a musician and he was a shepherd. While his brothers served as soldiers, David became an errand boy for his dad carrying food and checking up on them. He found the soldiers dressed for battle, but never engaging the enemy. Goliath wouldn't go away, 
For 40 days, he kept coming back saying the same thing. My observations on David and the soldiers. David was faithful in every one of his small tasks. He was faithful. The army was unfaithful in their very large task, one task. So all they were asked to do, but they were unfaithful. And you know something, as I look back, church life, and as I look down the, 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 the years of denominations, and there's been so many, many people who have lived sacrificial lives in order for the gospel to come through in this nation. You know, John Wesley, 300 years ago, uh, a South Yorkshireman, bringing the gospel uh, to this country, and he was an academic. But do you know something? He'd go and preach the gospel at the coal faces. And when the miners came out, they would throw coal at him. They'd beat him up. They'd beat his brother up, the songwriter, the hymn writer. And you know what? Some of them same tough miners became followers and built Methodist churches, actually built Methodist places of worship and Wesleyan chapels and independent Methodist chapels. You will see them scattered all over our nation. What a time. And it shaped and changed our government and the way that laws were passed and everything. And they were more biblical and more righteous. And you know something? Those chapels are now full of shoe factories or carpet factories or something. Why? Because the vision wasn't passed on. The church stopped its pioneering and just lived for itself. Just wanted it. God to bless me, bless me, bless me. And I want us, I, I, I want global. I've started a church that's more than a church. It's a movement. And, and I'm, I'm infected by the Methodist spirit, that Wesleyan spirit. Um, you know, where we, Wesley said, I want to offer Christ to all men. And he, and he had a Catholic spirit, not a Roman Catholic spirit, but a Catholic spirit, meaning he would work with any, any Christian from any background. He had, a, he had a, a, a will to work. He said, if your heart is right with God, lend me your hand. And I have that same heart. Let's get this gospel out, not just to Britain, but right across the world. You know, we need to beg some of these Africans to come over and preach the gospel in our nation. We have such a condescension. Yes, I go to Africa spreading the gospel. Don't bother, stay here. They're more on it over there. They're spreading the gospel like, it's going like wildfire through their nation. We need them to come and help us. We're no longer the ones that are sending, really and truly. We need to be the receiving one. Our nation has lost the vision of Almighty God and His Son, Jesus Christ, and I want to bring it back. To do that, we're going to have to overcome some giants. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website 